You're listening to a podcast of local news from the County of Suffolk in the United Kingdom. This is brought to you by the St. Edmundsbury News Talk Association, a UK registered charity. Welcome to the 1,853rd edition of St Edmundsbury News Talk for the 5th of November 2021. The editor of this edition is Mary Grenville, the producer is Mary Young, and your readers are Adrian and Mary Grenville. We should also mention our processing teams who work hard behind the scenes to copy and dispatch this memory stick to you. We will repeat any telephone numbers that are in this edition at the end of the memory stick. And we're going to start with some news headlines. Dementia Care Village will be the first of its type in the country. Bid to create a green canopy across Suffolk. Beauty treatment, prompt, beauty treatment ordeal prompts patch test warning. Man arrested after serious sexual assault into Bury St Edmunds. A 2.4 hectare plot of land on the edge of Haverhill will become home to the first dementia care village of its type in the UK after the plans were given the go-ahead. The proposal put forward by CARE, Little Court Limited, to build a village for up to 120 residents housed in 20 apartments each with six bedrooms, on the land currently occupied by a riding school next to the A143 in Little Watting, sorry, with Little Ratting, was approved by 12 votes to three at the West Suffolk Council Development Control Committee yesterday. One of the directors of CARE, that's C-A-R-E in capitals, Stuart Harris, said after the meeting, I applaud them, the committee, and their planning officer, for making their decision and I must mention the officer's report because as a standing document it absolutely encapsulated what we're all about. The village will provide community facilities on site, having a shop, a restaurant, community hall, pub, club and hobby rooms, a communal hall, offices and staff accommodation. Bid to create a green canopy across Suffolk. Sign up for Queen's Jubilee Tree Scheme. A tree will be planted for all 770,000 people in Suffolk under an ambitious new project aimed at creating a lasting environmental legacy. The Queen's Green Canopy, QGC, in Suffolk is hoping to plant shrubs and hedge plants around the county and includes commitment to care for existing woodland. Everyone in Suffolk is being invited to get involved in the scheme, which forms part of the National Plant a Tree for the Jubilee <coughs> celebration of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Lord Lieutenant of Suffolk, Lady Clare, Countess of Euston, said, We have a very simple plan 
to plant or pledge a tree for every resident in the county. Diana Hunt, Deputy Lieutenant, said groups are preparing to plant the trees over the next three years. She highlighted, The profound effect of tree planting has on our lives through biodiversity, climate, change, social cohesion, health and well-being. She added, Charities and support groups across the county have been preparing for a concerted drive to plant trees over the next three years and maintain them for future generations. Now is the time for places and people to get involved. A Newmarket woman who was hospitalised for three weeks with third-degree burns as a result of a beauty treatment has issued a warning to others to make sure that they have a proper patch test to avoid a potentially life-threatening reaction like she had. People need to know that this could happen to them and I would not wish that on anyone, said 34-year-old Lisa Davy. They should always make sure they get a proper patch test and if the salon does not offer one, then don't have the treatment. Lisa's nightmare began in December 2018 on the day of her work's Christmas party when she went to have her eyebrows waxed a procedure she had had done before and never had any problems. That day I was told there was an offer on to have them tinted and some false eyelashes applied. So I went for it, said Lisa. I wasn't offered a patch test and I didn't ask for one, as I had never had any issues before. Delighted with the results, she went home and went to her party. But just hours after her treatment, she knew something was very wrong. The mum of four contacted her GP's out-of-hours service at Milden Hall and some ointment was prescribed. But as the hours ticked by, her face began to swell. Her husband said, this is not good, we've got to get you to hospital. And he took me to accident and emergency at West Suffolk Hospital, she said. I felt a bit of an idiot having to say I got this because I had my eyebrows tinted. I was assessed and told I had anaphylactic shock and third-degree burns, and I was immediately admitted. Lisa spent three weeks in hospital, during which time she had to undergo a week of patch tests on her back in a bid to ascertain just what had triggered her allergic reaction. Man arrested after serious sexual assault in Bury St Edmunds. A man has been arrested after a serious sexual assault in a residential area of Bury St Edmunds this weekend. A young woman was assaulted in the area of Merchant Avenue at some point between 2.15am and 3.30am on Sunday, October the 24th. She has since been receiving support from specially trained officers as well as speaking police to establish the clear circumstances of the incident. Officers arrested a 30-year-old man from the town in connection with the incident on Tuesday, October the 26th. He was taken to Berry St Edmunds Police Investigation Centre for questioning and has since been released on bail pending further inquiries. He is required to answer bail on November the 23rd. Detective Chief Inspector Holly Evans said... Officers are currently progressing a number of lines of inquiry and we are appealing for anyone who was in the area at the time to get in touch. We carried out a number of inquiries including house-to-house, -house, examining CCTV 
and are continuing to progress forensic opportunities. Officers may wish to speak to any witnesses who may have heard or seen anything suspicious in the area or any motorist who may have dash cam footage of suspicious activity. Anyone with information is asked to contact the West Safeguarding Investigating Unit in Bury St Edmunds, quoting crime reference 37 59601 Crime Stoppers can also be contacted anonymously on 0800 555 111. And now we move on to some general news. Special receivers are to be installed at a Suffolk coastal site as part of ongoing work in the county to monitor the migration of a tiny rare bat. The Environment Agency has agreed to site the wildlife receiver station at Benacre Pumping Station to monitor Nathusius pipistrelle bats, which can fly hundreds of miles. The device is used to track the flights and migration patterns of bats and birds across the North Sea. It is one of many that make up a network of these devices which have been installed along the East Anglian and European coastlines. Several British bird observatories have receivers too, including Landguard Bird Observatory in Felixstowe and the RSPB Minsmere Nature Reserve. The data from the Benacre project, which involves the Norwich Bat Group, will be analysed by Wageningen University as part of their studies into migrations of Nathusius pipistrelle bats. It will also be used by the Norwich Bat Group for the same purpose. Scientists only discovered firm evidence seven years ago that Nathusius pipistrelle bats were migrating across the North Sea, after one that had been ringed in southwest England was found in Holland. That bat had made a journey of 370 miles. Amazing. From Fiona Cairns. Readers may recall way back on Suffolk Day, 21st of July, the Suffolk Preservation Society launched its first ever Heritage Champion campaign. The reason we did this in association with the East Anglian Daily Times was fundamentally to recognise the often unsung work of local people and communities looking after Suffolk's local historic places and buildings. We felt that such volunteers frequently don't seek or receive any recognition of the great work they're doing, as Heritage is sometimes wrongly thought to be all about stately homes or involving legions of experts. But the reality is that vast majority of good conservation work in Suffolk is carried out by or under the direction of local people. The first such example is that of the trustees of the Ipswich Unitarian Meeting House in the centre of Ipswich. Nominated by the Ipswich Society, the trustees have recognised for their efforts to restore the Grade 1 listed building. But Martin Lightfoot, meanwhile, was successfully nominated by the Bury St Edmunds Guildhall Trustees for his lifetime commitment to many of the county's best-known heritage organisations, including Pakenham Watermill, the Bury Unitarian Meeting House, the Bury St Edmunds Guildhall, the Suffolk Building Preservation Trust, 
the Suffolk Architectural Heritage Trust and the Berry St Edmunds Town Trust. Finally, David Findlay was nominated by Ufford Parish Council for his work in reviving the Ufford Heritage Trail and producing an extensive library of detailed information about many sites of buildings in the village. These three examples, as of all the award re- recipients, demonstrate what a sense of community, careful stewardship of heritage buildings and long service can achieve in looking after key elements of local life here in Suffolk. A new bar has opened in the heart of Bury St Edmunds, with the owners making sure they put customer service first. Whiting's Bar, located in Whiting Street, opened in the new in the town centre on Thursday, October the 14th, with owner Mark Camp saying the opening weekend went incredibly well. Mr Camp added, It has been a steep learning curve and it has been a bit chaotic in the first few days because we've never done this before, but everyone has been so understanding and it could not have gone a great deal better. We didn't do an opening night and I'm glad we didn't because we could have been overwhelmed because Saturday was so busy. The bar offers a large wine list, a selection of cocktails, lagers, ales and a wide variety of premium spirits. The pub also offers a wide range of food as well. Pupils from a Bury St Edmunds primary school have filled Covid time capsules and new housing development. Youngsters from Tolgate Primary School buried the capsule at David Wilson Holmes Marham at Park Development to be opened in 2071, 50 years from now. With the help of Long Creations, the company distributed booklets for the pupils to complete talking about the challenges of lockdown and homeschooling and how they felt during the pandemic and what they did to stay in touch with their community. Head teacher Hannah Brookman said, The time capsules provided the children with a perfect opportunity to document what their lives are like, but also life through the pandemic. It's also made them think about how life may change over the next 50 years. The children included photographs and handprints of their families, a bottle of hand sanitizer and a face mask, two items which may be a distant memory for those digging up the capsule in 50 years and some local newspapers. The Sudbury Christmas Tree Festival is back this year with hopes of making it one to remember. The event, hosted by Sudbury Rotary Club, always brings Christmas cheer with dozens of wonderfully decorated trees. The event will be taking place between December the 7th and 11th at St Gregory's Church in Sudbury. Malcolm Offord from the Sudbury Rotary Club said, We would like to make it an even more memorable event than usual and we look forward to receiving many applications for trees. This event provides an opportunity for organisations, charities, businesses and schools to show off their Christmas spirit. The cost per tree is £16 for non-commercial exhibitors and £30 for commercial enterprises. Warning over scammers. Warnings were issued last week after reports that Nottingham knockers have been calling at homes and villages around Haverhill. Suffolk Trading Standards made the warning after 
knockers were reported last Thursday calling at homes in Keddington. The individuals claimed to be on a youth offender scheme, are attempting to mend their ways before trying to sell the householder everyday household products at very high prices. Trading standards advise residents not to buy anything and not to buckle under pressure. Nottingham knockers, so-called because the scam originated in Nottingham, work in groups across the country, but they are not involved in any officially recognised offender rehabilitation programme and may not possess peddler certificates, which are issued by the police. Please report any doorstep caller to Suffolk Trading Standards on 0808 223 Proposals for a new multi-million pound hospital at Bury St Edmunds look set to be admitted to, plan- to submitted to planners early next year. Before the outline application is finalised through the West Suffolk NHS Foundation Trust, next is next month launching a further six-week consultation to get the views of the community. The Trust announced that it has selected Hardwick Manor as its preferred site for a new healthcare facility after buying the manor house and its 70 acres of grounds, which had been on the market for £3.5 million a year ago. The site is next to the current West Suffolk Hospital in Hardwick Lane, Bury St Edmunds. As part of the outline planning application process, the second phase of pre-application public planning and engagement will launch on Monday November the 1st and run until Sunday December the 12th. This will provide indicative illustrations and plans on how the Hardwick Manor site could be utilised for the new hospital. Trust Interim Chief Executive Craig Black said, The team really enjoyed meeting and talking to so many people, both virtually and face-to-face, at our first phase of pre-application public planning engagement. The feedback received was invaluable and we have taken it on board. Santa, lights and action as festivities hot up. The Clare Christmas Fair and lights switch on will take place on Friday and Saturday, November the 26th and 27th. On Friday, the fair will open in St Peter and Paul's Church from 5 to 8pm with carols from the choir, complimentary mulled wine, face painting and Santa's Grotto from 5.30 to 7.30. On Saturday, the fair runs from 10am to 7pm with music from Long Melford Silver Band and the Grotto will be open from 2 to 4pm. The lights will be switched on at Market Hill at 6pm with hot dogs, mulled wine and more. A hospital trust has been fined £2,500 after it failed to notify, properly, a family over the circumstances surrounding a patient's death. West Suffolk NHS Foundation Trust has been wrapped by the Care Quality Commission, the CQC, for breaching duty of candour regulations when a patient died in October 2018, following complications during childbirth. The CQC issued two fixed penalty notices of 1,250 after the Trust, which runs West Suffolk Hospital in Bury St Edmunds, failed to notify the family as soon reasonably possible about the incident and did not provide them with an account of the incident 
or offer an appropriate apology in a timely manner. The Trust said it accepted its communications with the patient's family were not good enough. It had apologised and taken steps to improve the way it corresponds with relatives after a patient's death. The watchdog said it checked what actions the Trust had taken and if any were still required. The Trust was also required to provide evidence on the steps it took to strengthen processes to ensure future compliance with duty of candour. A permanent memorial remembering those who lost their lives as a result of the bombing of Newmarket 80 years ago has moved a step closer. Newmarket Town Council is funding a memorial plaque which, it is hoped, will be unveiled next year as part of a special commemoration. Originally, an event had been planned for this year by Newmarket Local History Society to mark the 80th anniversary of the attack, which took place on February the 18th, 1941, but that had to be postponed as a result of the COVID pandemic. Now the Town Council is considering designs for the plaque, which will bear the names of the 20 people known to have lost their lives as a result of the attack and be placed in front of the Memorial Hall. Wartime censorship at the time meant the reports of the attack by lone German aircraft were deliberately vague and information as to the extent of the casualties was deliberately restricted, including local newspapers. The work of a devoted Suffolk artist, teacher and family man will be exhibited in his memory in Felixstowe. Ed Wilson, who died after a battle with cancer in February 2021, a few weeks after marking his 72nd birthday, has been remembered for his devotion to his work and his family. His wife Sylvia said art was his life. He was very positive, optimistic and devoted to his art and printmaking and signing as well as to his family. The former art teacher at Thurston Upper School, now Thurston Community College, always loved art before devoting his time to his prints. Mr Wilson leaves behind his three children, Owain, Hugh and Sean, and his wife Sylvia. Mrs Wilson added, we haven't had a service yet, as it's been difficult to arrange with Hugh in Norway. Former student Daniel Emery, also an art teacher, paid tribute to the man who helped him develop as an artist. Mr Emery of Northgate High School said Mr Wilson really supported him with his work. As part of his first exhibition in more than 20 years, he plans to showcase some of Mr Wilson's pieces. The 56-year-old said, Ed was my art teacher and prolific printmaker and a huge inspiration. Including some of his work in my exhibition is my small tribute to him and how his tutelage set me on my path in art and education, he added. A restaurant near Newmarket has received four AA rosettes, marking it out as one of the best in the country. Upstairs at the Tuddenham Mill, about seven miles outside Newmarket, received the award in a virtual ceremony on Wednesday morning. Only two other restaurants in the country have received four rosettes this year, which is the second highest honour offered by the motoring company and is held by only 48 restaurants nationally. Notably, 
upstairs at the Tudnam Mill was rated better than Gordon Ramsay's London restaurant Petrus, which was awarded three rosettes. Chief Patron, Lee Bai, said, This accolade is a recognition of the talent, creativity and commitment of an amazing team here at Tudnam Mill. I could not be prouder to call them my colleagues. It's a career highlight for me too, personally. To win this accolade after the most challenging 18 months ever for the hospitality industry makes it even more meaningful. And to bring four rosettes to Suffolk, and for the first time, is incredible. It also shines a light on the county's dedicated farmers, fishermen and makers. Bears and Edmunds residents find when parking bays outside their homes were suspended for fibre works are unhappy after no work started on the site. Queen's Road residents expected City Fibre to start work in certain parking bays on Monday after a sign informed them that parking was suspended for three days. However, no workers arrived on site and the road was left untouched. On Tuesday, with no work taking place, several residents moved their cars back into the bays, only to be ticketed by a civil parking enforcement officer hours later. James Bradley of Queen's Road said on Tuesday, No one turned up yesterday, no one turned up today. They haven't even finished the work they've started further up the road. So we moved our cars back on and a parking warden has issued 12 tickets. The fibre work is being done by a private fibre company and they seem to disappear and leave work unfinished for weeks while they haven't even started in our bays. We pay for permits to use these bays and you shouldn't be able to close them when no work takes place, he said. New equipment worth £20,000 will hopefully help to ensure the future of the endangered Suffolk Punch. The Suffolk Punch Trust has fundraised to bring new technology to ease some of the complications associated with breeding the much-loved species. The Suffolk horse remains one of the most threatened of Britain's native horse species, according to the Rare Breeds Survival Trust's watch list. This year, 34 foals have been born around the world, including one named Prince Philip. New scientific equipment will help vets look at the quality of the sperm and store it correctly to ensure it can play a role in the breeding programme. Another specialist piece of equipment can be mounted by the horses to help with sample collection. What we are doing here is engaging with the latest technology, said Andrew Fain, trustee of the Suffolk Punch Trust. The whole purpose of everything we are doing here is to try and ensure the long-term survival of the Suffolk horse. A dedicated father of two has raised thousands for a charity that supports people with his wife's illness. Dan Frost, 42, from Stanton, took on two marathons and joined the Bardwell Tractor Run, raising 11,500 for Bowel Cancer Research UK. His wife Lisa was diagnosed with bowel cancer at the beginning of 2020. Although his marathon training took place in difficult times, Dan's friends Ollie, Melvin and Mark were at the finish line to support him. His close friend Lee Maddox organised the tractor race and encouraged Dan to lead the 90 tractors into Standen, a 
an experience he found extremely emotional given what's happened. A community has been left heartbroken by the death of a brave two-year-old. Harry Crick from Elmswell lost his fight against one of the world's rarest cancers earlier this month. He fought the disease valiantly for 10 months after being diagnosed last December. Melissa Baker, a deputy leader at Little Elms Preschool, where Harry had been due to start this year and where Mum Nelly, 30, also works, assistant said, When I heard the trust, I just had no words. It was just devastating. Everyone is heartbroken. We supported his family throughout and will continue to support them now. Everyone is sending them their wishes. Harry's parents announced their son's death on Facebook on Sunday and hundreds of people have been paying their respects ever since. We're going to do some what's-ons now. Historic Lavenham Church, Lavenham, Suffolk. Wednesday the 8th of December has two very special Christmas concerts. The Searchers and the Hollies Experience and Show Waddy Waddy. There's a special matinee concert and also an evening show at 7.30. The Lavenham Church December concerts will include The Carpenters and A Vision of Elvis and Russell Watson at Christmas. Uh, these happen on December the 9th and again uh, one showing is at 12.45 and another showing at 7.30. We have also won the two events at the Apex. There is of course the Festival of Remembrance coming up. That will be on uh, Friday the 12th of November. And that's at 7pm and will cost 13.50 and that's with the Royal British Legion of course. We also have the Suffolk Sinfonia who are playing on Saturday the 20th of November. Um, they're doing orchestral favourites from Copeland, Offenbach, Sibelius and Brahms and that concert will cost £14.50. To book tickets of course you have to ring the Apex on 01284 758000. And a couple more here. Um, this is advance notice, really, of a carol service um, happening on Tuesday, the 7th of December at 1 10 pm. And this is the Chapel Choir of Selwyn College, Cambridge. And this will be held at St Mary's Church on Honey Hill. Um, and what it says here is that our ever-popular annual carol concert um, is going to offer seasonal favourites sung by the euphonious voices of the Selwyn College Chapel Choir. This is a fundraising effort, uh, uh, event to support the Theatre Royal. And I think that's it for uh, What's Ons. And we'll turn now to some letters. Hidden Costs of Saving the Planet According to Boris Johnson, we're all going to spend vast sums to replace our gas boilers. Of course, the realities of doing this so are hidden from us mugs. Sorry, customers. They don't tell you that if you have microplastic or 15mm copper pipes, you'll have to change all your pipes, then all your radiators will have to be changed for larger ones, 
and if you change your boiler for a combi boiler then you'll have to find room to put in a hot water tank fitting. Then there's the cost. You'll notice that when the real cost is mentioned it all goes very quiet but over about £15,000 is not the maximum it is likely you will have to pay. Then unless your house is rated at sea you will also have your insulation upgraded more money spent. That is if you want the £5,000 grant. But the worst thing is should we destroy our life standards the other real polluters will carry on as usual. Please don't tell us we all have to reduce our life standards. I don't see Boris cutting down flying or stopping reproducing. How many children does anybody need? Says Olga Harrison from St John Street, Bury St Edmunds. It's still Great Britain, says Ron Simmons from Felixstowe. Sir, we are currently experiencing a strong move to gender neutrality. British Airways have instructed their pilots not to address passengers over the intercom as ladies and gentlemen. In America, the state of California is forcing stores to go gender neutral on toys. Cricket has not escaped from the drive for gender neutrality either. The Marylebone Cricket Club, the MCC, who have made the laws of the game since the 18th century, have announced that with immediate effect, a player may no longer be referred to as a batsman. He must be called a batter, which sounds rather like a Yorkshire pudding. What of the fielder who bowls a maiden over? The MCC may be stumped in providing the answer to that one. Race hatred is also in the news and we must always ensure it is stamped out, even if that entails police officers drawing their buttons and using them against the race hatred fans from a European country playing football at Wembley. We must ensure the world will never again experience the inhuman evil scale of hatred carried out within living memory in a modern European country. The word Holocaust fails to fully describe the hell on earth the Jewish race was subjected to. Some correspondence to the EADT letters page run down this country of ours. We must be getting something right because immigrants in their thousands do not want to stay in a safe European country. They risk their lives and pay their life savings to cross the English Channel to make this country their home. In an old school atlas, it was, call, it's, was called Great Britain. It still is. As Churchill said, we are in Europe, but not of it. Be aware that nanny is not always right. We live in a nanny state, and one of the worst kind. Not a nanny state, where the nursery is well provisioned to nurture the potential of its citizens, with checks and balances in place, to provide a safety net for the vulnerable, but a nanny state led by an incompetent who, although keeping many amused, issues simplistic slogans that have no substance and platitudes that bear no examination. Thankfully, there is growing awareness that nanny is not always right, and those that subscribe to it are not always to be trusted to tell the truth. There is a moral reaction by ordinary people against this foolishness that gives hope for the future societal cohesiveness and of our civic structures to remain some integrity. For example, there is the report of a tribunal resulting 
from the exposure of malpractice at a school by its administrators. The midwives who called out the facade of carrying up the inadequacies in their profession and a statement recently by a Suffolk Highway spokesperson who admitted We currently have a very long list of known flooding sites which far outstrips our available budget resources thereby telling a truth not admitted by those who declared a climate emergency. The COVID-19 pandemic is just one aspect of the global biodiversity breakdown that we have created by profligacy. It is time that we grew out of our delusions of the nursery and as adults and honestly face the realities that climate breakdown is bringing. We can do this, first, by not supporting a regime that makes reassuring noises suitable to placate the gullible, but has no plans to deal with the real problems, instead only furthering its members' personal ambitions and bumbling through from one self-inflicted crisis to the next. Secondly, we can support the call of a citizens' assembly to replace a failing regime clearly unfit for purpose, writes Malcolm Searle of Baker's Lane, Bury St Edmunds. And my next letter is from Councillor Diane Hind, who represents Tolgate Ward. Joe Churchill failed to appreciate the points I made in her response, letters October the 22nd. Whatever increases may have been made for policing, it is still the case, as I pointed out before, that Suffolk receives less per head than other counties. The Police and Crime Commissioner has made this point at many public meetings and I feel sure he must have sought help from Ms Churchill. I also thought it disingenuous of our MP to try and blame the Labour Party for the current dental crisis. Her party has been in power for nearly 12 years and if there were problems then they have, made, they've, they have had ample time to fix them. In fact, in 2010, the system, whilst perhaps not perfect, was certainly working and it is the tweaks since that have done the damage. I've already made the point about universal credit and how working extra hours is not a solution with a person needing to earn an additional £80 just to be £20 better off than at present. Of course, all of those working and receiving universal credit will have the increases in national insurance to contend with from April 2022. Remember, these people are likely to be carers or others on frontline services. Regarding mandates, Joe is our elected representative, not a delegate, and as such doesn't have to follow every government policy, policy religiously. Her mandate is to represent all the people of Bury St Edmunds constituency. But on October the 20th, MPs debated an environment bill. Clean water campaigners urged them to back a key amendment on sewage that had been agreed in the House of Lords, which would force UK water companies to reduce sewage pollution every year until it is eliminated. Raw sewage was discharged into waters more than 400,000 times in 2020 over a total of more than 3.0 million hours. But George Eustace, the Environment Secretary, recommended that MPs reject the proposal and it was voted down on October the 20th by Conservative MPs including Joe Churchill and Matt Hancock. 
Finally, we are heading for a cost of living crisis in this country. But the government is in denial, as they are with the need to stem the increase in COVID cases. Clearly, we must, at the very least, make mask wearing mandatory in public places and allow booster jabs to be given after five months rather than six months. The minefield of grammar rules. Dangling participles can be very funny, but distracting for anything more serious. I remember one summary column header. It said something like this. A man was arrested after a woman wearing a blue coat was robbed and hit over the head by the police. Did the police really do that? Why not start with the police arrested a man after? Other funnies sourced elsewhere. She handed out small cakes to all the children in plastic boxes. And I smelt the fish pie coming down the stairs. Hope this may be helpful, if ever so slightly, writes Alan Doyle of Holbrook. Sir, with reference to your article in the EADT on October the 9th, I was disgusted to read that the Mayor of Bury St Edmunds defends the funding of £25,000 for a Christmas grotto to bring people into the town and support businesses. At £10 a ticket, I wonder how any parent would be able to pay this after the last 18 months, especially if they have more than one child. A normal grotto with a small charge for a reasonable toy would be plenty. And how will it support businesses? Surely he doesn't think that this attraction will have people flooding into Bury St Edmunds, although it is a lovely town. He needs to think again about a sensible way to spend this money in these hard-up days and suggest it to the council. And that's from Pat West of Layston. Graham Day of Stowmarket writes... On a grey and misty autumn morning, what a pleasure it was to hear that music man, Stephen Foster, is to receive an honorary degree from the University of Suffolk. It is a fitting accolade for Stephen, recognising his outstanding contribution to radio, arts and music in Suffolk and beyond over many decades. Hospital radio was the way he discovered his talent for broadcasting, and the rest, as they say, is history. A fitting reward for a very approachable true son of Suffolk who's always set high standards. Well done, Stephen. And this letter is headed Silent Witness on Climate Crisis. On Saturday, November the 6th, as part of the, Do the Global Day of Action calling for just solutions to the, the climate crisis, Barry St Edmunds Quakers will hold a silent witness to the pain and harm caused by climate change. It will take place from 11.30am to 12 noon at the bottom of Angel Hill, opposite the entrance to the Abbey Gardens. We wish to bear witness for people around the world who are living with the impacts of climate change, known as loss and damage, to the need for an international fund to bring about climate justice, to the necessity of working to minimise further damage for further generations, to acknowledge our privileged position and recognise our own contribution in damaging creation, and to provide a local witness to global inequality. 
We believe that our deep silence will enable us to reflect on the grief, fear and hope which urge us to action. We hope to continue these acts of witness on the first Saturday of each month. People of all faiths and none will be very welcome to join us. It will be an opportunity to join in spirit with similar events calling for climate justice which have been planned by multi-faith groups around the country. Constantly reported in the media is the possibility of shortages in the run-up to Christmas, especially with toys. I was watching recently a look at life programme on TV dating back to the 60s, in which toy factories in Britain were making dolls, teddy bears, Christmas crackers, decorations, hundreds of them. Why are we still not making these products and other items here in the UK? Air miles for these items will be less and they'll be easier to distribute. In a way, this is what's come about because we all want something cheap and the only way to get this is production with cheap labour leaving quality behind, writes D. Chrysel of Newmarket. And now we're going on to a couple of features and mine is headed Monk's Home Disappeared. And this has been written by Martin Taylor. It has been said that you will find robbed Abbey Stone all over Bury St Edmunds, such as in walls and cellars, but not much further than six miles outside the town, the distance a cart would get out and back in a day. However, given the enormous size of the Abbey Church alone, there is still a massive discrepancy in the amount of the Ashlar limestone in the town today. Where has it all gone? The nave itself was 12 bays long, a bay being the distance between piers or pillars, often in front of a stained glass window. Above another level, a clerestory of clear glass that let in, let in light. Two soaring towers dominated the skyline at the west front, and at the crossing. It was also the subject of the many ancillary buildings which were part of this domicile for the 60 to 80 Benedictine monks that were here at any one time. In Moises Hall Museum there are some pieces of carved abbey stone, almost insignificant in relation to what there once was. The dissolution in England is often referred to as the Reformation, out went statues of religious figures such as saints, most notably absent in the empty niches on the Abbey Gate today. Also reliquaries, portable containers of relics associated with saints and martyrs. Souvenirs such as pilgrim badges purchased by the vast number of pilgrims that visited Edmund's shrine were no longer sanctioned, iconography banished. Virtually anything and everything that was associated with the Church of Rome, even down to apparel and vestments worn by priests, were now subject to scrutiny as laid down by the new Church of England. As for the monks, some took up teaching posts, others continued within the Anglican Church, although at odds with their new religious doctrine. With their board and lodgings now curtailed, the after-effects for the monks were quite dramatic as the reality of having to look after themselves sunk in. Some of the monks would have met with hostility, as they were still seen to represent the abbey which had run the town. Board Games Café joins raft of new independent shops. 
A new style cafe is set to open in Berris and Edmonds and visitors will be able to play from a selection of more than 250 board games. Shuffle Board Games Cafe is due to open next month in St Andrews Street South in the former Palmer's Unit and is the brainchild of games fan Andrew Wooldrich and his business partner Chris Messenger. The cafe is one of a number of new independent businesses to launch in recent months and the news has been welcomed by the town's business bosses. Mr Woolrich, who is currently the manager at Cycle King, said People can come in for a drink, bite to eat and then pay £2 to pay a board game for an hour and £1 an hour after that. I've really got into board games the last two years after first playing video games and they're definitely booming in popularity as it's a more social activity and sits well with the cafe where we'll also have an alcohol licence. The cafe is one of a new raft of independent businesses to open in the town. Recent additions have included the Plant Hut and Bohemia Vintage and Lifestyle in High Baxter Street, Hendo's Fish and Chip Shop in Abbeygate Street and Walker's Cheese Shop in St John Street. Many of the bigger places have already been taken. Café Rouge by the City Pub Company, former Argos site by Cambridge Intermediary, a mortgage lender, and it's understood there is interest in the former JD Sports Unit in the Butter Market and the former Jaeger store in St John Street. Mark Cordell, CEO of Our Berries and Edmonds, said, It's great to see Berries and Edmonds Town Centre remains an attractive location for new businesses, and particularly the independents. Shuffleboard Games Café looks like a really unique business. Unsurprisingly, with the food's reputation as the foodie capital of Suffolk, there are more food and drink businesses opening, and on top of this, more than ten or so other businesses have either opened recently or intend to do so in the next few weeks, which in reality means that very few empty units will be available in the town by the new year. Julie Baird, Director for Growth at West Suffolk Council, said... It's great to see business confidence, particularly from independent businesses, in the future of our town centres. It's a coincidence that we share. We also have seen a good recovery in terms of people returning to Berry St Edmunds Town Centre. And now we go back to some general news items. More than 250 children have contributed their creativity to the latest piece of public art in Haverhill Town Centre. The My Name Is project, run by Haverhill Town Council, asked youngsters to draw and decorate their name in any way they wanted. The children came up with their creations at workshops run by Snobby Eddie Crafts and The Fabric Seagull, which took place in the town centre over the summer. Year 7 students from Castle Manor Academy also joined in. All their designs were incorporated into a collage and printed on metal sheets, courtesy of stylized print of Holland's Road in Haverhill. The final stage of the project was fixing the metal plant plans to the planters and bike racks that are located on both the High Street and on Jubilee Walk at the bus station. Debbie Dyson from Snobby Eddie Crafts, which is also based in Holland's Road, said, Dawn and I had great fun with all the kids. They chose to add glitter, sequins, washi tape and more and they really let their imaginations go. 
The time and dedication they devoted to decorating their name was lovely to see. Councillor Liz Smith, the Mayor of Haverhill, said thank you to snobby Eddie Crafts, the Fabric Seagull and Becky Baldwin from Castle Manor Academy. Together they've once again proven that fabulous, what fabulous community spirit we have in Haverhill and the end result is testament to how talented our children are. A sculpture commemorating 30 years of Blackthorpe Barn crafting will be opened this weekend as the Christmas craft events return. Blackthorpe Barn, located within Rougham Estate near Bury St Edmunds, is bringing back its craft weekends on November the 6th after the pandemic stopped last year's event. And the owner of Rougham Estate, George Agnew, will be revealing a celebratory sculpture to commemorate 30 years of Christmas fun at 10am. Over six weekends in November and December, the market will be open for visitors to browse woven and knitwear designs and textiles, ceramics, glassware, metalware, wood creations, leather items, jewellery, books, food and much more. A number of craft-led workshops are also on offer for people to make their own festive decorations and pieces. Bookings can be taken online and arrange events from willow workshops to wreath-making. The Country Christmas Shop will also be open every day until December the 22nd with Rougham Estate Christmas Tree available from November the 19th. This year, visitors are able to book a place to pick the tree they want straight from the plantation. During the weekends beginning November 13 and November 20, Households are invited to select a tree to be collected another day. Two friends with strong ties to the armed forces are walking 252 miles to raise money for a number of charities, one of which supports current and ex-military personnel. Lee Walker, 40, and Paul Connolly, 41, are currently en route from Haverhill to Gateshead having departed from Haverhill Rugby Club, where Lee plays as a second row for the first team on Sunday morning. The plan is for the pair, both residents of Haverhill, to reach Walls End Rugby Club in Gateshead, hopefully on Friday, covering some 50 miles per day and walking 14 to 16 hours each day. They are also wild camping each night, with shelter being provided by a 3 metre by 3 metre military grade tarpaulin that weighs in at just 70 gram, 700 grams. Their walk is being done to raise funds for a number of charities, including Murray Curie and three charities based in and near Newcastle-upon-Tyne, that's Jack Fieldhouse's Recovery Fund, Jessica's Sarcona Awareness, and the Children's Cancer Ward at the Royal Victoria Infirmary. But it is the choice of the charity Rock to Recovery, which supports serving military personnel as well as veterans and their families with mental health problems. That resonates most with Paul and Lee, who've been friends for 12 years. Lee said, I had a lot of treatment for PTSD when I left the army, but my main motivation is that I've had a lot of close friends take their own lives due to mental health illness. William Grooms, Little Chair Dairy, 
focuses on being hyper-local and only travels within a 15-mile radius of Ixworth. As people look to see how they can reduce their carbon footprint and become even more eco-friendly, one local farmer has done both. Meet William Groom, Suffolk born and bred, this dairy farmer and entrepreneur has just established his own micro-dairy here in the region and hopes his way of farming will make a difference by becoming one of the first carbon-neutral dairies in the UK. Explaining the inspiration behind the venue, he says, We set the business up in order to help change the perception of the dairy industry without being reliant on milk companies for a contract. Our aim is to bring farming back to being more personal and to provide an eco-friendly, sustainable dairy with high welfare at the forefront of our ethos. William has plenty of experience in the world of farming. And while his father has an arable farm here in the region, he chose to go down the dairy route. After graduating from the Royal Agricultural University, I travelled around the country working on farms and managing them. I then worked in the commercial side. I was a dairy consultant in Hampshire before coming back to Suffolk. And it was during lockdown that William came up with the very idea of establishing his own dairy farm in Ixworth. As Remembrance Day is approaching, we thought we'd include a brief history of the British Legion. So here we go. The British Legion was formed on the 15th of May 1921, bringing together four organisations of ex-servicemen that had established after the First World War. Over six million men served in the war. Of those who came back, almost two million suffered some kind of disability and half of those were permanently disabled. The British Legion was established to care for those who had suffered as a result of service and those who depended on them. Field Marshal Earl, Cre or Earl Haig was a driving force behind the founding of the Legion and was its president until his death in 1928. The first ever poppy appeal was also held in 1921. Poppies sold out almost immediately and raised over £106,000. That's equivalent to more than £5 million today. The poppy emblem was inspired by the poem in Flanders Field by Colonel John McRae. The money was used to help World War I veterans with employment and housing. Today, the Royal British Legion is the nation's largest armed forces charity providing care and support for all service people past and present and their families. Her Majesty the Queen is its patron. It received its royal appellation on May the 29th, 1971, which was its golden anniversary. Membership was extended to serving forces personnel in 1981, but now anyone can become a member. We are coming to the end of this edition of St Edmund's Free News Talk. If you have any comments about the memory stick or difficulty playing it, please use the phone number on the pink sheet which you've been given or put a note in the pouch when you return the memory stick to us. We would like to acknowledge our appreciation to the Berry Free Press, East Anglian Daily Times, Haverhill Echo and Newmarket Journal 
from whose pages most of our items have been taken. Telephone numbers mentioned in this edition are Theatre Royal, Bury St Edmunds, 01284 769505 The Apex 01284758000 Trading Standards 0808223 News Talk will be back again next week So until then from us Goodbye and it's goodbye Podcast brought to you by the St. Edmundsbury News Talk Association. You can view more information about News Talk on our website at www.stedmundsburynewstalk.org.uk. The music in this podcast was provided under Creative Commons license by Scott Holmes. This podcast was created entirely by volunteers in our Bury St. Edmunds studio.